0: What's up everybody, thank you. Tuning in to the latest episode of Reasonably Outrageous. I'm your co host, Matt Wire, alongside Blake Pace. And Blake, it is a great day. You want to know why it's a great day today?
1: Yeah, you wouldn't tell me before we started the show, so why I don't wouldn't you let tell me know you. what's going on.
0: I'm really excited. Don't want to jinx anything, um, no, but man. I do have insurance uh, on this particular purchase, but just got uh, my tickets to NLDS Game 3. Which, if the Nats were to make it there, I would have. uh, That would be the first home game uh, of the series. I'm pretty pumped. Have insurance on the tickets. If they don't make it, I get Mm -hmm. refunded. So nobody can say that I'm jinxing anything because I'm still accounting (laughs) for them not being (laughs) there. But uh, up in the nosebleeds, 400 sections should be fun. I've been to a couple playoff games in my time. They're a lot of fun to go to. So I'm pretty pumped.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm kinda jealous, you know, our, our buddy Tom, friend of the pod, is going to ALDS game one. You've got a game to the Nats, and I'm trying to think what the closest baseball team to me is here. In Atlanta Tennessee. Is that yeah, Atlanta's Atlanta's probably the closest, so maybe I'll have to take a I actually know a guy down in Atlanta. Ooh. Maybe oh, I can go, go see the Braves play. That would be interesting. That'd be a tree. So, so I might have Cardinals. that. Yeah, oh yeah, that'll be a fun one. So Hey, just make sure, just, you know, I know you didn't want to ruin anything, but watch out, that brew crew, they're, they're on fire right now, so, uh, so 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 tread lightly, but uh, that's smart getting the insurance. I think yeah. that's a, a good move, just in case things, I didn't even think about that, so you can't buy those. On the net, do you buy those through the MLB? I've never bought postseason baseball tickets. Before. Um,
0: bought them through the team. So my my family, my actually my mom's work uh, is uh, involved as a season ticket holder. Uh, oh, cool. So she helps manage that, and we we got some points and we're able to cash those in, get some discounted tickets. So they're uh, still a little pricey, but you know, up, right. up in the four hundreds. You know, I don't think there's a bad spot in that ballpark uh, to watch a game. So. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I just I'm hoping they get there so I have the chance to see them. I, I'm, I've had pretty good luck in games. I've been to three in my career, and uh, they're two and one in those three games. So oh good. Um, you know I've done pretty well, so I, hopefully they can carry that on. I mean oh yeah,
1: you know. And what's cool about you know this year's team too, is that no matter what game you go, you're going to see a very exciting pitcher with the Nats. Mm-hmm. So that's always that's a that's a good part too. You know. And the Dodgers. And in fact, yeah. if yeah.
0: Scherzer if Scherzer starts the wild card game. Uh, then he would be the starter. He'd for would be game, game three. three. Yep.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah, it all works what, what out. What more
0: do you need? Exactly, exactly. And the Dodgers will probably be rolling out. Um, <laughs> what is it, Walker Bueller at that point? So, you know, yeah. good, good, good on both sides. But, all right, well, you are not just tuning into my travel itinerary podcast. We're yeah. listening to Reasonably Outrageous, where we talk about the three major sports, Um yeah, that's right. Do you We're think hockey, hockey, yeah, does I hockey mean, you, you not you like us it, when we say you that? You call the four major sports, you know, that, that's like the big four, but right. we don't talk about hockey, so we can't, no, we can't say the I, big four minus hockey, just say the big three, right? I mean, it's definitely the big three, and you can say the big four too, but there's still a, a distinction between basketball at number three and hockey at number four.
1: Yeah, the the separation between the big three and hockey is, is just so big. As much as NHL fans will want to say that they're grouped in, it's kind of like uh, what we were talking about MLS over the players. weekend. Oh, yeah, well, that too. But I was also thinking about how the American conference has this like oh, promo yeah. that says uh, Power 6. Like, they're a Power 6 conference. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, no other worse. group in the Power 5 considers itself a Power 6 conference. So it's like... It's like the MLB, the NBA, and the NFL probably don't consider themselves one of the major four sports. They probably are like, no, we're the major three, and hockey, for some reason, wants to loop themselves in because soccer isn't as big in the United States as it is worldwide. But think about it. You know, it wouldn't even be hockey. It'd be soccer if if we were going worldwide. So hockey just annoys me to say that they're in there. They're technically the fourth because they're in the United States, but I think they would easily be number five if we were going like worldwide sports.
0: Well, uh, in terms of the MLS, it's considered the fastest rising sport uh, hey. in America right now. So they could they could pass hockey, could take it somewhere. over. That would be crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I could see it. I could see who,
0: it. Who is more insufferable, hockey fans or soccer fans?
1: Um, I'm gonna go with hockey fans just because I spent the last <laughs> four years of my life surrounded by uh, a bunch of Capitals fans, a bunch of Caps fans, and yeah, so it was
0: bad timing for you. Yeah, them, I just them winning the Stanley Cup.
1: <laughs> yeah, and also just I. I've come to really hate, and I guess this is just more DC sports in general. Uh, I have adopted them as one of my least favorite fan bases. No, no offense, Matt, but I have some really ridiculous DC friends that like always hype up the Redskins, always hype up the Wizards. Uh, The Nats have been consistently good. So the Wizards. Dude, I, I've had people talk to me about how Bradley Beal. As soon as John Wall moves on from that contract, you know they're they're gonna be good. Oh, they're and, riding
0: him back, bro. John Wall is dude, coming back, and, and oh. we in twenty
1: twenty one. We'll see the two of them back on the floor again. It'll be incredible. I I hate that. So yeah, DC <laughs> DC fans have easily become one of my least favorite. It used to be. I I think I'd still give Boston number one just because of the New York Boston rivalry that always seems to be going on. But DC fans are right there at number two for me.
0: You know, we're just trying to have a good time and always feel yeah. like our teams are <laughs> slighted uh, by everyone eh, because we're. That's we're, a good point. DC is the big market that is kind of like hockey and uh, <laughs> AAC, where it's like right outside right. that big, you know, group of, of LA and, and New York, Boston, Chicago, Chicago. Like Philly. The next one's probably DC. Yeah, uh, that's but no right. one likes to credit us uh, as one of those markets. So no, you're uh, 100 correct. Our teams don't do well, so we have to you know fight for something here.
1: Yeah, you're the <laughs> you're the NHL of major market Sick. cities. I Sick. like it. Uh, I like that. <laughs> we're the underdogs. All right. Yeah. Well, we're gonna
0: go ahead and talk about some football. Uh, we had an exciting week three. We got to see a lot of different quarterbacks, teams. Uh, you know, get some new impressions. Teddy Bridgewater, my guy. Uh, Didn't have to do too much, but was able to to help the the Saints get the win. I was hyped about that. The Colts able to pull through. Jacoby Brissett, 16 for 16 to start the game. We saw some exciting uh, play there. But around the league, maybe some not-so-thrilling performances. Uh, Namely, of course, over in New York uh, with the Jets and Luke Falk. Uh, (laughs) Definitely not inspiring confidence. Mason Rudolph with the Steelers. Uh, Lots of uh, question marks there. Namely, the, his inability to throw farther than 20 yards down the field. Uh, a couple of people questioning why not, why he wasn't slinging it out at all. Uh, so, some up and down performances, certainly. But I think we were able to avoid any major injuries uh, this week, which was good. And yeah. one I on the top I mean, of my head. Uh, except Saquon, for, besides Saquon.
1: Yeah, there, I mean, Saquon, which is huge. And we'll talk yeah. about the Giants later on. But, but also, dude, I, I'm so upset. Of, uh, I feel so bad for Keanu Neal, man. Oh, yeah. Um, Falcon rough safety last year. Well, yeah, he missed off last season with the torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back and and he he is when healthy one of the better young safeties in football and then not only did he rupture his Achilles uh, against the Colts but then through his helmet in frustration over losing his second season in a row and the refs gave him an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty (laughs) they didn't even pick up the flag oh it was so (laughs) like even though it helped out the colts and like they were already in the red zone so it just moved half the distance to the goal and they scored anyways but like the fact that the refs wouldn't even just be like oh this guy is sad because he just ended his season like let's just pick up this flag. Like that, it made no sense. But yeah, Saquon and Keanu the were the big injuries. of the NFL, honestly, honestly, yeah. And so <laughs> I, I agree, you're right. Last week was big on the quarterbacks. This week, other positions. But uh, but yeah, nothing nothing terrible like what we saw the you know weeks one and two.
0: Yeah, thank God. But you know, moving forward now, we're we're looking. At the standings, people starting to actually look at them a little bit more critically. Oh, yeah. We're three weeks in. We've now hit the bye week, so the Jets and 49ers uh, can take a step back for a week uh, to regroup before going into a stretch run, which, by the way, I think having a bye week in week four is ridiculous. I think anything before week six you should, yeah. just shouldn't happen um, with you know just how little time that is. I mean... You know, at this point in the season, you're barely even hurt if you are. I mean, everybody gets hurt throughout the NFL season. You have bumps and bruises, nicks, whatever, all throughout the year. And, you know, through the first three weeks of the season, you probably could have gotten by without any major injuries. Uh, but, you know, you, you now look at uh, having to play another 13 straight games without right. any kind of rest. I mean, maybe, you know, you got a Monday night football game uh, so you got a week there, but then you have the short rest after that or a Thursday night football game that will give you a little extra time. But, you know, I, I think it's just ridiculous that they have it this early. I'd say week six should be the earliest anyone has a bye. I don't know. Just a little bit closer to oh, the middle yeah. of the season. Give you some time. Uh, one, to just get acclimated to the league and everything. But two, you know, you just get so many injuries. I feel like you got to be – uh, you know you got to you got to be conscious of that if you're the league now anyway uh, we're going to talk about 3 and 0 teams and 0 and 3 teams or actually we'll go undefeated and winless teams uh, who we most believe in and least believe in uh, starting with the undefeateds uh, right now at 3 and 0 we have the Bills we have the Patriots we have the Chiefs the Cowboys the Packers the Rams and the 49ers plus the Lions are 2 and 1 Blake, which of those undefeated clubs right now do you have the least amount of belief in?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the easy answer here is Detroit, just given the fact that their <laughs> victories have been narrow. But I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go with that because that is kind of a, a cop out sort of scenario. Because I mean, I don't think we all expect the Lions to really produce this year. I know they're 2-0 and 1. They they somehow didn't lose that game against Arizona because Cliff Kingsbury went for the tie instead of, you know, trying to get the win out there. So, they lost that game. You know, uh, I, two, I just want to say two.
0: I do want to limit the Lions slander. I've been quietly impressed yeah. uh with, with oh. the kind of start that they've gotten off to this season. Uh, yeah, sorry. Not... Sorry, Bennett. <laughs> um, but I, I am a fan uh, of, of Matt Stafford. I don't think he's actually played all that well to start the year, but I do think that he's somebody who can turn things around. Uh, just that, that offensive line, I think, is the biggest issue. The, the running game got nothing done last weekend, so uh, I, can't, I don't even think you can really fault Carry on Johnson for that. Uh, you really just have to look at the that, uh, how they're doing up front, Um, You know, they they had Mike Daniels get hurt last weekend on the defensive side. That's a big loss for them. So uh, they have a few question marks, but, you know, the team has held its own. Uh, I've been quietly impressed with them, uh, but not going to jump out and say that I I think they're going to make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. but I'll I'll limit the slander, uh, at least for another week. Yes,
1: I understand that. And I will say that. I do believe that Matt Patricia is building the foundation there for a successful franchise. So I don't think it's, it's you know, just being bad this year is all that, necess- is all that you know, dysfunctional. I think that, you know, if they could get to that six-win benchmark, I think that's good progression for them. Also in a very tough division. So I'm not going to go there, but I did want to point out I think that is probably the area to go easiest. Uh, but I am going to go with the San Francisco 49ers, uh, weirdly enough. And it's tough because I do believe uh, in just about all of these 3-0 teams, and I do kind of believe in the 49ers, um, but my reasons kind of go into, I still don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo has played all that well, which is fine. He, he's still getting in the groove of things. He's only played 10 games as a starter through this point. He still has a long season ahead, and he has played some tough opponents as well, you know, with a uh, a decent Buccaneers defense. I do believe the Steelers defense is very good as well. Um, but to me, the 49ers just seem like a team that I feel like is kind of getting a little lucky through these games. Um, they lucked out with three interceptions from Jameis Winston in that uh, first opening week, and only only won by two touchdowns. Of course, then they got to play, um, you know, Mason Rudolph, and we we talked about at the beginning of the show how really he didn't blow anyone's uh you know minds in the in the way that he performed in that offense performed so you know the 49ers three wins against the Buccaneers the Bengals and the Steelers of course the Bengals and Steelers are two oh and three teams the Buccaneers are one and two and just you know lost to Daniel Jones uh on Sunday so I feel like I'd say um I have the least confidence in the 49ers not just given the fact that I think their schedule has been a little fortunate for them but I also believe that in a division where you've got the Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams, and you still have to play both of those teams twice. I like the experience on both of those teams more to edge them out and kind of push them down the ladder where they're finishing third in the division by the end of the season.
0: You know, I I, I get where you're coming from, um, yeah. but honestly, for me, I feel like we, we're, we're seeing this offense really come into its own uh, in the past two weeks. I think it got had a bad showing in week one against the Buccaneers, which is a very underrated defense. We've talked about them. Shaq Barrett, man. Shaq Barrett, uh, by the way, eight sacks on the year. He's already earned a $250,000 performance bonus in week three. Uh, yeah, that's pretty paid incredible. Paid this year. He's getting paid. Uh, just I mean, that, that defense, I'm a really big fan. Obviously, the, the Bengals and Steelers defensive units aren't considered to be uh, otherworldly by any means. Uh, yep. But, I, you know, I've been quietly impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, throughout that span, and, and obviously, you know, the the. Long injury list that this offense has, particularly in the running back group, uh, with Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman uh, being out right now. We get Coleman back probably after the bye week. Uh, I think that's going to add uh, you know, some more depth there. I, I-, I do like this-, this 49ers team. I, I don't know yeah. if I would necessarily say that they're going to win the division. Like you said, it's very tough. Uh, I think that the Seahawks are going to bounce back. The Rams, obviously, are off to a hot start. But uh, I would say that the-, the 49ers have a realistic shot at being a wildcard team.
1: Yeah, and listen, you know they're three and so they've already got a great start ahead of them. Of course, you know you take a look um, in the other divisions, and you know the NFC South uh, only has one team with a winning record right now, and that's your New Orleans Saints. Uh, you take a look at the fact that um, you know, I mean, the NFC North has its its. I think every team in there is at least two and one, if not better. So they're riding pretty high as well. So it's going to be competing for a wild card spot between both of those. I just think that. Uh, you know, of the 3 and 0 teams, um, my confidence is the least in that just because of quarterback starts uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the kind of forming this team on the fly, I get they've had a lot of moving pieces in the offseason. I do love Kyle Shanahan. I think he is, uh, if not the best in the top three of offensive play callers in the league. The work that he does with the fullback and tight end positions, which we have all come to know are the future of this league for offenses is utilizing your running backs and tight end sets, you know, 12 personnel, uh, 21 personnel. So I do have a lot of faith in the 49ers, but of the 3-0 teams, I would just say that if there's one that would surprise me if they were to not make the playoffs, um, it would be the 49ers. For me,
0: I'm going to go with a team that I actually predicted to win its division. uh, And Hmm. and that's... That is the Green Bay Packers. Oh, interesting. Uh, The offense just hasn't really stood out to me as, as the unit that we were led to believe with Matt LaFleur. Now... Facing three very good defenses to start the year. The Bears, the Vikings, and the Broncos. Nobody's expecting them to put up video game-type numbers uh, against those three units to start the year. And they're going against the Eagles next week. So probably, or this upcoming Thursday, in fact. Um, you know, They're probably not going to have uh, insane numbers at this point. But that being said, right now they rank 28th in yards per game. 23rd in points. Their passing offense ranks 27th. Rushing offense is 24th. I mean, you, you know, I, I feel like a, a team that's got Aaron Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Matt Lafleur, and uh, in, in, um, oh Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, why did that name escape me? You know, with those pieces right there, I, I just have to think that they have to be doing better. Um, you know, they're also in a tough division uh, in that NFC North. We, we've seen some up and down games from the Vikings so far. Uh, same with the Bears, but, you know, they're still keeping things close. In the standings right now, the Lions obviously 2-0, not a single team with a losing record in that division right now. I just don't feel like the the Packers are going to be on a cakewalk uh, the rest of the year. Um, and, And that being said, even though those are great defenses, you know, I don't think that the Broncos are necessarily an incredible team. I don't think that the Vikings and the Bears are necessarily the best teams in the league. So, you know, they're, they're going against up against the Eagles and the Cowboys in the next two weeks. Uh, then they go against the Lions. You've got the Chiefs and Chargers a little bit down the line, all before the bye. I just don't know if I think that the Packers are going to be uh, that team that I thought they were at the beginning of the year. I expected them to get off to a faster start, albeit against these tough defenses. I just feel like we could be seeing a lot more from Aaron Rodgers and company.
1: Yeah, definitely. And listen, I know you picked them to win the division. I was just as high on them. I have them winning the Super Bowl. They are my preseason pick. Now, that's right. If you that's asked, right. if you if you asked me now, I would probably lean toward the Patriots because I didn't realize how you know dominant they would Incredible. be. But you know, yeah. my my Patriots Packers Super Bowl. Um, you know, both off to three and 0 starts, so feeling good about that. But I do agree the offense um, hasn't looked great to start. And and like we said, Matt Lafleur coming in, uh, the the big question was is that you look at his offense he ran in Tennessee wasn't highly productive. Then you think, okay, well, at least he's getting Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers to play with, and the offense has been getting by. But they're not the reason that I feel so confident about the Packers. Their defense is playing out of this world. You mm-hmm. talk about the Smith brothers from another Mothers, Zadarius and Preston, both on the outside linebacker positions, have been dominant. Their first-round picks in taking... But who are the
0: three quarterbacks that they faced?
1: Mitch Trubisky, Kirk hey. Cousins, Joe Flacco. I get it, but they've also shut those guys down. So it it, 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 like they're not great quarterbacks. But you would also say that the Bears' offense is a good offensive scheme. You would say that the Vikings this year is a good offensive scheme with the way that they've you know established the run game, and of course Kirk didn't have to pass a lot, and he's not going to be he's not going to have to. Um, so I get the fact that they haven't really beaten you know the Los Angeles Rams yet, or they haven't beaten the New England Patriots or the Kansas City Chiefs. But the play that we've seen off the edge from those guys, Jair Alexander is making his name for a top ten cornerback in this league in only his second season. They draft Darnell Savage. Uh, uh, in the first round, along with, uh, what's his name, uh, Rashawn Gary, both first-round picks that have been making plays on defense. Uh, to me, this Packers defense will finish the year in that top 8-10 to 10 range. Um, the, the money that they invested, you also talk about Adrian Amos at the other safety spot, Kevin King is a young corner. I, I am comfortable with the Packers because I believe that their defense is legit. I know they haven't played tough guys, and I know the, the Eagles are a little banged up on offense, but I would expect the Packers to to you know, pretty much shut them down as best as they could on Thursday night. Um, we'll have to see how that works out, and we'll actually be recording probably when that game is going on, so maybe we can chime in then. But uh, right. for the for the offense, the only the only thing is that I just I, I go back to it's it's Aaron Rodgers, and I expect him to figure it out. There is you know the rumors of the discontent between them that led up to the season between Lafleur and Rodgers, and I believe they're just working out the kinks, uh, and I believe that it fixes itself. Um, I do understand what you're saying in terms of 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 being not as optimistic about them as you were at the beginning of the season because the offense certainly hasn't clicked. But I believe that Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys that, as a quarterback alone, can beat out poor schemes, and we've seen him dominate, uh, you know, this league with poor offensive schemes before. You know, you think about his MVPs and, and you know his trips to the Super Bowl. Um I, I'm, I'm patient with this offense and fine doing it because of how strong their defense is. But certainly through the three weeks, you would expect a little bit more. So I, I get what you're saying there.
0: Absolutely. But looking over at the and 3 teams now, oh, yeah. we've got a couple of teams here that have not won a game yet. That would be the Dolphins, the Jets, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Broncos. Mind you, that was all the AFC right there. Redskins and the Cardinals are 0-2-1. So all but two defeated teams are in the afc right now which goes to show you how it's kind of a stars and scrubs conference uh whereas the nfc is you can argue stacked or you can argue just a really separated uh, amount of talent uh just dispersed throughout the the conference however you want to put it um but blake of those so far winless teams who do you have the most confidence in going into the rest of the year
1: yeah. So first off, with all of these teams, like you've said, I am going to say here now, and and hopefully they don't prove me wrong. I, all six aren't going to make the playoffs. I, I just I, there's nothing that convinces me that any of these teams that have started 0 and three will be there in the postseason. So I'm ready to, to to shut that down there, and you probably agree with me. So it's not an outlandish yeah, claim I'm to there. make. It's 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 tough to go from 0 and three. So in terms of optimism and who can shake things up, um, just because. Uh, Their experience as a franchise, their experience at head coach, and the pieces they have around, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Mason Rudolph definitely did not look good in that game. He also just, you know, you look in that first half, he looked afraid to be there out in the field and a little timid. So um, maybe he gets a little bit better as the season goes on, as he starts to feel more comfortable, because it did did look pretty bad. Um, But just given uh, that Mike Tomlin um, is one of those coaches that no matter – how their season is going? He's always going to push for that next win. He's not going to be one that just waves the white flag. You also take into consideration they don't have their first round pick, so they're not you know they're not losing to get a top five draft pick this year. It's off to Miami. They got Minka Fitzpatrick, who looked great in his Pittsburgh debut. Um, interception, forced fumble, um, made a really good impression in, in his Steelers debut. At, uh, uh, in that defensive back that needs help, but um, you know the defensive pieces. On talent are there. Uh, the defensive scheme is what I question mostly with, with Pittsburgh right now. The play calling and their reasoning for putting they, they've got linebackers lining up on slot receivers. It, it just doesn't make sense the way that they're running that defense right now. But given the fact that they've got a good coaching staff, a a franchise that is accustomed to winning, um, I believe if there's a team that could turn an 0-3 start into maybe a a 6-10 season, 7-9, and, and and kind of in an AFC that might be a push for the wild card, I would just go with the Steelers.
0: You know, if it weren't for the fact that the Steelers were getting Mick Fitzpatrick for another three seasons on top of this one, it would be in the conversation to say that the Steelers made one of the worst trades of the year by acquiring Fitzpatrick right. uh, a couple of weeks into the season after losing Ben Roethlisberger. Obviously, the team was very confident Uh, in the direction under Mason Rudolph, felt like uh, it could win. We talked about this in the last episode. Felt like it could win uh, a wild-card spot or even the division uh, with Rudolph at the helm. Obviously, that didn't get off to a great start. They lose uh, in his first start of his career. I I agree with you that that none of these teams will probably make the playoffs, but it it seems odd to be writing off the Steelers three weeks into the season, Uh, even though they are 0-3 um you know it, it's just not something we've used to talking about uh you know we we've talked about them walking all Our over this entire division lines. or yeah, I mean, really, uh, with, with Roethlisberger being the, the quarterback there, so it is weird. But I agree with you; there's just not a whole lot to like uh, about this team in his current state, in my opinion. I mean, I, I like a lot of the pieces on the defensive side, but as the unit goes, it, it hasn't been very efficient. It's let up a lot of yards. Uh, the offense, James Conner, is underwhelmed in his second season. There's been nobody to step up as a number two wide receiver, as we talked about extensively on this podcast, uh, and, and obviously Mason Rudolph is the big wild card. So you know, you you, you can give him a pass for not getting by in this first game and i I agree with you him working with the coaching staff had led by mike tomlin there's certainly a case for optimism there to finish around six and ten um you know and and that means that they go the rest of the year about 500 you know going six and seven the rest of the way uh so if you're a steelers fan at this point you might be happy with that but uh in in another in another world you know you get off to an zero and three start with your backup quarterback and you're thinking hey what if we just take a step back this year you know, don't try to go all in. Just let our players play out. And if it works out, sure. Um, but not make any rash moves that, you know, signal we're, we're all in on this season, like trading your first round pick. Uh, you know, I, I feel like that was a little bit ill advised. Obviously, they're going to get him for multiple seasons. So you kind of see Fitzpatrick as being your number one pick in this upcoming draft. And that's a pretty darn good first, over, first round pick for sure. But uh, there's certainly some question marks there uh, about that decision that, that make me question the Steelers' front office.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, yeah, you think you get Minka for the three years, possibly the fourth, but if things go well, as he has proven uh, with how talented his start to his career has been, he seems like he could be that that next franchise safety that I know the Pittsburgh Steelers have been missing since Troy Palamalu, as Pat McAfee likes to pronounce it, <laughs> uh, you know, hung up his cleats. Um, but yeah, I just also think, you know, Browns haven't really impressed. They get two games against the Bengals, one of which is... On, is it Monday night or Sunday night this week? Uh, no, it's it's uh, Monday night. So Monday night we have to sit through and watch the zero and three Steelers take on the zero and three Bengals, which just Sick. sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Hey, but one like, team's
0: walking out of there with their first hey, win, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: So so my belief is that it's the Steelers and that you know they get two games against uh, against Cl- um Cleveland still, which who knows what's going on with them. They get two games against Cincinnati. I think just based off of, of the foundation that's built there, I guess I could see them going about 500 throughout the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, we'll see. My team, though, uh, is that 0-2-1-1 team, yeah. uh, the Arizona Cardinals. And I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm buying in, man. Talk dirty uh, I, to me, man. Our, our first podcast that we recorded uh, together... I slammed the Cardinals for trading yeah, up to did. get the number one overall pick, <laughs> getting rid of Josh Rosen. That was uh, my big hot take entering the podcast, and uh, clearly not living up to the hype right now. Rosen wasn't exactly spectacular. I think say, you know, did provide a bit of a spark early on with Miami uh, in his first game, um, but you know, you know, he just wasn't able. It's to Just finish a the bad job. situation. Yeah, That's no, he doesn't sucks. have anybody around him, so I don't know what you how you can possibly evaluate him kind of like how he was with the Cardinals last year. Right. Now you throw Kyler Murray into this situation. And although the team has yet to win a game, I really liked what I've seen out of Murray. They have David Johnson. They have Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald uh, leading that wide receiver group. And I'll tell you what, Christian Kirk, man, he's going to be a star. That guy, yeah. 10.3 yards per reception so far, 20, 20 catches on 32 targets. There certainly needs to up his catch rate a little bit. Um, but, I really like what I've seen out of him. He's just got long arms, makes some spectacular catches. Uh, I think that they have a real good future, uh, especially with him kind of learning under Larry Fitzgerald's wing for now. Uh, I really like, no pun intended there. Um, (laughs) I I really like uh, what we've been seeing out of him. David Johnson, obviously a star at the running back position, only averaging 3.7 yards per attempt so far, so I'm a little weary. But I, I think that comes down to the offensive line. I think that's really what everything in Arizona right now comes down to it's how terrible that offensive line is we've seen yeah. uh, the colts and andrew luck uh, when when they brought him up and how he was get taking a beating throughout early on in his career we're seeing it with deshaun watson and the texans yeah. uh, they they haven't invested uh, in Russell the offensive Wilson. line uh russell wilson with the cardinals i mean obviously with the seahawks you know uh, overall there, there's we've just seen time after time guys who you know i wouldn't say Kyler murray is a run first quarterback i think that you know he's a great pocket no. guy and only really needs to run when he only runs when he needs to uh, mm-hmm. but we're seeing guys who are, are able to get out of trouble take hits anyway and that's where you know you're you're really in a con- uh, concerning position so the cardinals Uh, really have nobody notable uh, on that front line, and uh, I think that's a tough situation for Murray to be in, and you're not going to get a lot of wins that way. Uh, But they have the offensive pieces uh, that make me think that they can win a few games this year, so I don't think the Cardinals are going to be in contention for the number one overall pick once again. I think they finish with around five wins uh, based on what I've seen here. Uh, I think that they go on a little bit of a run in the middle of the season or maybe towards the end that gives the team some optimism going into next year, kind of like what we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo stepping in the 49ers a couple years back um you know I think that's something that we can see with Kyler Murray in this offense just because they have they have too much talent and at the end of the day uh you know this this talent is going to win some football games and I, I'm really liking what I'm seeing in the direction uh, of this Cardinals organization they just really got to invest in that front line
1: yeah definitely and also you know in terms of you know just going off of the offensive line, still some pieces you would hope to see them upgrade on defense and, and yeah. um, you know, safeties in front seven. Especially the
0: secondary is just
1: terrible. Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So so they've got a lot of pieces to build on, um, and, and I do, I agree. I, I think that the the future is going to be bright in Arizona. Kyler Murray seems to be the guy. Um, I think we can all put that, um, hopefully we can put that uh, question away if he should have gone to baseball or football. Um, he, he has the making of being a a franchise quarterback and certainly is on his way to doing that. Um, I I, I don't, I don't hate that, that pick at all. I, I, the only thing that frustrates me is that um, it just doesn't make sense why Cliff Kingsbury doesn't put his quarterback under center. I, I think throughout the first three weeks, he's run two plays where Kyler Murray is lined up under center. He's always in the shotgun. And yeah. I think that's the reason that we're seeing David Johnson getting that 3.6 yards per carry is that it is tough to, to only run, um, you know, to get your designed run plays out of the shotgun. There's a lot more creativity that you can do going under center, setting up that under center play action, getting the run game established under center that can open up into the shotgun run play. So that's my only knock on Kingsbury is that he really isn't running his quarterback um, in a position where it can set up the entire offense to even take it to that next level, because the downfield passing concepts are there the you know, the operating the offense, um, out of the shotgun is there, but if you can start under center and open that up, it's just a whole nother level. So hopefully he takes that into account to not only elevate, um, you know, Murray's play, but also David Johnson. And that also will make the offensive line look a little bit better uh, if they're able to function like that. So, yeah, I don't blame you at all for that. I think the future is bright, and you take a look at their schedule. They have winnable games, you know. I mean, they play the Buccaneers in November. They play Daniel Jones and the Giants. Uh, Two weeks from now, they get the Bengals. Of course, the the Falcons haven't started off good at all. Who knows what's going on there? They get the 0-3 Steelers down towards uh, December, um, of course, you know, you've got your tough games, you know, playing the the Rams 49ers and Seahawks twice a year, but they definitely will be able to steal some wins against some good opponents. And how about that October 20th matchup now between the Cardinals and Giants? That's going to be exciting, getting uh, getting Daniel Jones versus Kyler Murray in there. So hopefully that'll be a game that gets nationally televised. But yeah, I agree with you. Cardinals, Cardinals seem to have a good foundation. It's now just hoping that they can get the other pieces in around there to shore up the offensive line, spend some money on defense. Uh, and then hopefully Cliff Kingsbury can kind of tinker with his offense a little bit to just make it a little more balanced.
0: Yeah, somebody needs to tell Cliff that this isn't college anymore. I know, yeah. He, he it's needs not. to adapt. He needs he does. to adapt. He really does. you'll get away with that in the NCAA. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. You just don't You don't have the size up front. You don't have the talent up front no. uh, to necessarily disrupt the offense uh, like uh, opponents have been able to do uh, on the front. So, yeah, I would really like to see him... Make some adjustments, um, and and you know uh, I, I'm really excited for that Giants Cardinals matchup, which That'd every be year fun. is not something that I would have said. Um, but you will get the top two quarterbacks drafted in 2019 going head to head, so there's not a lot more than you can ask for, for than that. So uh, yeah, we've got we've got some exciting football ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm really pumped uh, for this season so far. It's we've been off to a roaring start. Um, and I'm, I'm. I think we're in for a good year as long as the Patriots just don't cruise to another Super Bowl. I think that's really the only, only thing for me that's uh, holding things up is, yeah. is whether or not the Patriots really are that Super team. No longer having Antonio Brown makes me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he was such a distraction. I felt like he could honestly be a, de- you know, a detractor from the team at, at some a certain point if he were on there the
1: whole year. Yeah. That offense has to has to be a little worried now too. And I know we were kind of. Leaning into a transition towards our next NFL topic, talking about these young quarterbacks. But uh, just real quick on the Patriots, man. They, you know, if you wanted to look at a 3-0 and team that you maybe are a little worried about. I mean, the, the Patriots always figure things out. But you look at that offense. They lose Antonio Brown. Julian Edelman has a chest injury. Josh Gordon has an injury. Both aren't necessarily supposed to be serious, but injuries nonetheless. Then you're looking at your number one option is Philip Dorsett, who has been just fine with the Patriots, but nothing exciting. Then you take they lost their center for the season. They're losing their left tackle for a little bit. They just put their fullback, James Devlin, on IR. They're one of the teams that runs the most uh, you know, for, uh, play concepts that involve the fullback. And, of course, that running game hasn't really looked all that strong. So then losing two pieces on the line and your fullback, that's going to hurt it too. So right now, you know, we, we thought we'd get to the point where it, into his 40s, uh, the team would be helping Tom Brady. Tom Brady's keeping that offense alive right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the, the defense has certainly been uh, something that's been talked about uh, all the way through uh, up and down. I mean, we are expecting a fantastic season out of them, but here's a, a, a th- something here uh, that is interesting. Uh, opponents have a 2.7% uh, touchdown percentage um, on their drives. That is far and away the best in the NFL this year. Uh, an absolutely astounding stat. For comparison, the the Patriots' offense, which we're considering to be you know underperforming uh, to this point, forty eight point uh, six <laughs> percent. That's that's absolutely insane. The split that you have there. So uh, th- this defense, it top to bottom, it, is probably the best defense that we've seen the Patriots have which is a pretty scary fact so uh, you know they have all the lookings of a super team but nothing is guaranteed in the NFL uh, as we saw with the, the Patriots themselves going 16 and0 before losing uh, to those pesky Giants uh, in the Super Bowl however many years ago that was so nothing is guaranteed we'll see what happens but the last thing uh, we want to talk about uh, concerning the NFL before we move on is Daniel Jones, uh, who happens to be the biggest topic in football right now uh, after he had a nothing short of fantastic game uh, against the Buccaneers in his season, uh, not season debut, first career start, because uh, he did come in uh, in week one uh, late in the game. He went 23 for 36 with 336 yards, two touchdowns, Did take five sacks, but had an 87.9 QBR, a 112.7 passer rating, and also, just for good measure, added two touchdowns on the ground, four carries for 28 yards there. So, Blake, you mentioned to me before the show, you're not necessarily buying into this crazy hype that has come with Daniel Jones following this first start. Where do you stand here?
1: Well, I, no. I, I think we might have miscommunicated since it was over text. Okay. I, I, okay. I thought it was a great performance. I'm not going to say that. I think I was more so going in on the the Giants are still a work in progress thing. I, I'm buying. It. I'm buying into Daniel Jones. Uh, you oh, know, I, you're I, in.
0: You ripped the pick, and that was something uh, from everyone, our earlier podcast. Everyone ripped the pick <laughs> except for Rex Ryan.
1: Yeah, find me one guy aside Rex from Ryan. Rex Ryan. Yeah, that didn't <laughs> rip the pick, and I guess the Giants. <laughs> The Giants' uh, general manager Dave mm-hmm. Gettleman didn't rip the pick either, but you know, yeah. uh, listen—it's everyone's wrong. Everyone is. I, you know, I went back, and fortunately, Stampede Blue has gifted me—they gift everyone with uh, access to NFL Game Pass, so I can go and rewatch these games, and of course. I, I had a bunch of screens on during the afternoon slate, so I did have the audio on this game too, and it was my main focus. But I went back through to watch Daniel Jones, and and it was it was amazing. Not just his play alone, but the offense itself. Um, there are just so many more things that you can do with an athletic quarterback that is built to play football in 2019 than you could with a quarterback that is so used to, and to staying in the pocket is immobile that we you know saw in the early 2000s and before that. Um, Daniel Jones is going to be a good starting quarterback in this NFL and has a lot of high potential from what we saw. And not only is this a good thing for Daniel Jones, but it's a good thing for um, Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman. Their jobs should be saved for the time being because uh, if you think about how Pat Shermer got his job, you take a look back at... Uh, his success that he had with the Minnesota offense and how that kind of brought him into the head coaching job. Uh, back then, they were starting Case Keenum that year. That they, uh, where, how far did they make? it? Did they make it all the way to the NFC Championship game? Um, yeah, that was the year of the uh, of uh, that was the year of the the miracle when they um, the Minneapolis miracle with Stephon Diggs. So that was the year yeah. that they they made that all the way to the. You just had to say uh, that didn't you? NFC Championship game, yeah, I wanted to, honestly. Um, <laughs> if, it, if I don't get a chance to bring up the pass interference on Roby Coleman, I at least have to bring up the Minneapolis, right, the right, miracle right. in Minneapolis. So um, he was the offensive coordinator that year with that Vikings offense, and, and the offense was built around a sound run game, and then play-action passes. That was all it ran. And Case Keenum is not Michael Vick, but he's a mobile quarterback. And so you saw a lot of movement out of the pocket, a lot of accurate throws. And and finally, what we got to see is Pat Trimmer's legitimate offense that is why he is so successful in this league. Um, you know, you take into account that you've got Saquon Barkley, and of course the injury, uh, you know, we'll talk about, we'll address that. But what we saw from Daniel Jones was a ton of rollout plays. He's an athletic guy. You talk about the two rushing touchdowns. Uh, they had designed runs for him, which... You know, if you take a look, Eli Manning never got designed runs uh, when he was the starting quarterback <laughs> for the New York Giants. True. So there's so much that Shermer is able to do with this offense now that he has a somewhat mobile quarterback, a somewhat athletic quarterback, that it just opens up so many more play concepts. Uh, and, and just to now more focus in on Jones, just the quick notes that I had from him. Uh, seemed very comfortable under pressure. You know, he did take a bunch of sacks, and he honestly should have probably taken a few more than that, but he was very comfortable staying in the pocket, only throwing when when the, the perfect moment was he wasn't rushing his attempts just to make sure he wasn't getting hit, which we all know, watching Eli Manning, he loves to just tuck that ball and fall to the ground before getting hit. He is an afraid little boy in the pocket, and when you have a bad offensive line like New York does, that's not good. So Daniel Jones, comfortable taking hits, uh, is aware of his surroundings, comfortable in the pocket, mobile on the outside, and then, dude, his accuracy is otherworldly. There's one play, and I'm trying to remember if it was a post route necessarily, but he threw a dime, and that's where Danny Dimes is coming from. This this Danny Dimes, <laughs> I love it. Danny Dimes and the G-Men, I tweeted this out earlier, should be a, a 90s white rap group. Uh, Danny, <laughs> Danny Dimes and the G-Men. Um, that just sounds really it. cool to me. So, but... Um, Evan Ingram, double covered. Daniel Jones put it the only possible area that none of these Buccaneers defenders would have been able to to, to break it up or put it away and put it on the money to Evan Ingram. So, um, thoroughly impressed from what I saw with Daniel Jones. He is going to be that franchise-level quarterback for the New York Giants. Now, the Buccaneers' defense isn't otherworldly. They did beat up on a, on a Panthers team last week. Uh, of course, they forced a couple turnovers uh, against San Francisco in Week 1 as well in a very tight game. So I don't want to say the defense is awful. And they did have to erase an 18-point comeback, which I think is amazing. And, of course, they were a lucky field goal away from, uh, you know, from losing that game. But what we saw from Daniel Jones was... Uh, A guy that is going to be um, in that, you know, he's not there yet, but he has a chance to be in that upper half of starting quarterbacks. And Giants fans have to feel so relieved because no longer are we going to watch Eli Manning just halt that offense's success. Uh, Once we get Saquon back, uh, Evan Ingram is a good wide receiver, is a good tight end. He's pushing himself into that top conversation. Um, Sterling Shepard as well. I know I'm going on my my long rant of the episode. (laughs) I think we're each warranted one. We get one, yeah. But, dude, I I just <laughs> the fact overall... that you're using.
0: If I had told you, um, before the oh, preseason, dude. that you dude. would use one of your long rant per episode on Daniel Jones being good, I think yeah. you would have laughed your ass off.
1: I would have, and, and yeah, and before the preseason because we did see some of it in the preseason. Yes, which I guess, flashes. which I guess we should have just you know seen coming. Then when he you know did as well as he did in his performance, but. Um, Giants fans have to feel extremely comfortable moving forward. Pat Schirmer has saved his job because I think if they were to start Eli for this year, um, you know, he wouldn't have gotten the chance to really show his capabilities as a head coach. Now that his offense can be used the way it's supposed to be the way that he got this job in the first place. Uh, Gettleman is safe. Shermer is safe. And Daniel Jones is the future, uh, for the New York fan base. And, and one last jab that I'd love to, to just give to the Jets fans because as much as I talk about hating D.C. fans, uh, uh-huh. I think I hate Jets fans more. Uh, Sam Darnold <laughs> might be the third worst quarterback that plays in the state of New York. So there's that.
0: Wow. You're not wrong, honestly. <laughs> Which <laughs> I like Darnold. I do like Darnold. I but do I wanna, too. I want to ask you this question, Blake, because yeah. I, keep hearing, I keep hearing this statement all around. Do you think that Daniel Jones is a more agile version of Eli Manning, A, what does that mean, and two, do you think it's true? Because I feel like some people are just saying that he looks like him and yeah. that is really what it's coming from, or do you think that there are parts of his skill set uh, that are similar between the two quarterbacks?
1: Yeah, no, I think there are some decent uh, – there are some good similarities, and, and we've got to go the prime time of Eli Manning because I think we yeah, agree Yeah, and that that's these... what I'm talking about. The right. last three
0: years don't count. Not, yeah. not what I'm talking about.
1: I think the way that they both um, read defenses is very similar. I think that back when, you know, Eli wasn't leading the league in interceptions, uh, they're very smart with the football. Um, Daniel Jones does bring that more agile, athletic, uh, you know, Eli Manning can't go outside the pocket, you know, uh, just like his older brother Peyton, you know, both of them were never mobile quarterbacks that you could, you know, count on for, okay, shit's going uh, sideways. I got to get out of the pocket, maybe roll around for a seven-yard gain on third down. Uh, Daniel Jones can be that quarterback. He does have the legs. He does have the speed to that. Um, And, man, just just the confidence in him. You know, that's the one thing that I think Eli, as as confident as you have to be to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, Daniel Jones just feels confident about himself, where I I don't even think a, a stretch of bad games will deter him from, you know, Making the choices that he did here on Sunday, um, but yeah, I, I see a lot of um, I see a lot of similarities in terms of accuracy, um, decision making with the ball, understanding defenses, and, and yeah, they look a lot alike, too, and they both play for the <laughs> same college coach, so that that uh, also has some similarities there as well.
0: Yeah, they definitely seem to be cut from similar cloths. I mean, oh yeah, obviously the the agility part for Jones uh, gives him that added element and makes him. Uh, in a different, uh, I guess, situation uh, in terms of of the type of quarterback that he is, obviously you can you can you're going to run a different kind of offense with Jones than you would with Manning. Uh, that there's no question about that. But I do see some similarities, like you said. I don't know if I agree with you on the decision making part, just because even even in his heyday, Manning was still a a guy who threw a lot of interceptions. Um and it has led the league in such category multiple times in his career. Um, you know, but there are there, that's not to take away from from how good he is. I mean, the all time leader in interceptions is Brett Favre and nobody is <laughs> saying that he is in the Hall of Famer. Uh right. so you know that they're certainly I think they're they're both risky quarterbacks, uh in terms of they're they're willing to, to put the ball in places that some quarterbacks aren't willing to put it. Uh and, and you know, I, I think that a some of now, I would say not, but but back in you know his prime, some of Manning's interceptions were him just uh, maybe overestimating how good he was, how good of his accuracy he right. was, his arm, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Whereas you know, there's a difference between a, a good interception and a bad interception when it comes to reads and things like that. And uh, I think the reads that that, that Jones is making were pretty solid. Uh, I was only able to watch uh, bits and pieces of the game. I was on a bus and having to use the, some of the most crappy. Internet hmm. of all time uh, of to stream the uh, different games. So uh, I only caught bits and pieces of it, but from what I saw, he was pretty impressive. So uh, I, I'm definitely uh, mm-hmm. buying into the hype right now. And uh, honestly, I mean, uh, you know, I, I wasn't somebody who necessarily ripped the pick. I just was kind of had no opinion. I, I never watched Daniel Jones once in college. And I, I tried to stay away from players who, like a Duke, like who watched Duke football? I mean, nobody did, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, when I haven't seen the film, I try not to, to jump to any conclusions. Obviously, you know, everybody slammed it. I wasn't saying that he's going to be great or anything like that, but I was just kind of in wait-and-see mode. Uh, and, and so far, uh, he's obviously been paying off for the Giants. So that, that organization has to be breathing a huge sigh of relief. And now it just becomes a question of how will he function without Saquon Barkley. Obviously, he was only with him on the field for one quarter. Uh, so moving forward... Uh, you saw what he did in the second through third quarters. He did second, sorry, second through fourth quarters. He did just fine without Saquon. Um, but you know, without that element in the running game, uh, you may run into some problems down the line. Uh, I don't think Wayne Gallman is going to be the guy. I saw uh, that that the team was working out a few running backs to add to the mix uh, while Saquon is on the shelf with that high ankle sprain. They're looking at four to six weeks. We'll see how long he actually is out, RIP to one of my fantasy teams. I was so mm-hmm. excited to have the number one pick, get Saquon. Of course, this is what happens. Anyway, I'll have him back for the playoffs. Right. Um, the, the team just shouldn't rush him back. Um, but, you know, I think there is a, a situation where you want Saquon back on the field. Uh, if you do see Daniel Jones start to struggle, uh, you know, that way he can work off of the play action a little bit more, the RPO type thing. Um and, and that's uh, something that we'll kind of have to wait and see on down the line. If he continues to play well, there really is no pressure at all to get Saquon back in the field at all this season. If you really don't want to, obviously, this isn't uh, technically a season-ending injury. Um, mm-hmm. but you can take your time with it. And if he needs to go seven, eight weeks, you know, to heal, you, you now have the flexibility to do that. Whereas, not, and I'm right. not even talking about wins. I mean, I don't think the Giants were expecting to be a contending team this year. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just talking about. Uh, having your quarterback in a situation to succeed uh, because, you know, moving forward beyond this season, you want him to, to be able to grow, uh, you know, build off of a solid rookie year. Even if the win totals weren't there, uh, you want you know him to have that individual success where he feels comfortable going into year two and beyond.
1: Yeah, definitely. This isn't you know Daniel Jones being the starting quarterback doesn't put them in playoff conversation where you need everyone at full health and and while you 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 brought it up let me let me go back and retrace myself and correct myself on on the decision making you are completely <laughs> right um, it, it's one of those things where you think about Eli Manning and, and then you take a look at the numbers and, and just how bad they were he's had one uh, season where he has thrown below uh, ten or one season where he's thrown below 11 interceptions in a season, and that was his rookie year when he only started seven games. Uh, I and guess, mind
0: you, he played 16 every year after that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly,
1: yeah. And so, I mean, he's also only had two this season, so hopefully he can have his second season, uh, or he can have a season <laughs> low in interceptions. Hey, fingers crossed, no guarantees yeah, there. Exactly, yeah. So, so, yeah, so Saquon Barkley, the injury is unfortunate. I mean, he's my favorite player to watch play football. Um, it's him and OBJ up there, one and two, so... Um, you know, it's a bummer to not have Saquon for some reason despite being in seven leagues, I didn't have the number one overall pick once. So it's not too big on the fantasy end my way, but, um, the combination the Giants have to be excited, uh, looking toward the future. When you think of Evan Ingram seems to be pushing into that consideration for a top five to seven tight end, uh, Saquon Barkley is the best running back in the league when healthy, um, Sterling Shepard, a young wideout that has some promise. Of course you would wish Odell, Beckham Jr. was still on this team, especially with their first-round picks and how bad they've looked so far. Um, yeah, shore up the offensive line, fix the defense. It's kind of like Arizona. There's a lot to be excited about as long as they can fix the offensive line and get the defense in shape. But um, but yeah, it, it's exciting for for Giants fans. And I got a lot of family members, friends that are Giants fans, uh, and, and so they're they're pretty excited right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens, and that's gonna put a wrap on our. NFL yeah. topics for the day. I do want to say one other thing, Blake. Um, yeah. I do this weekly pick league, league uh, where every week uh, I have to pick a team. It's kind of like a survivor pool where if you pick a team one week, you can't pick them again the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and whoever has the most at the end of the year wins. Uh, you can also not pick against the same team more than three times. Uh, so that does add another wrinkle to right. it. Right, you team. can't pick
1: a, against the Dolphins more than three times.
0: Exactly, yeah. You know, I went I went with Ravens over Dolphins that first week because I figured the Ravens weren't going to be this amazing, but here we are. Right, um, yeah. But my team going into this week is the Colts. I'm picking them to beat the Raiders because hey, uh, I have not picked against the Raiders nor have I picked the Colts. So I'm all in on the Colts this week, Blake. We are, I love we are it. in this fandom together for at least seven days, so uh, let's do this thing.
1: I appreciate it. Let's roll. Go Colts.
0: (laughs) Go Colts. All right. So we're moving in uh, to baseball now where we're going to talk about a team that was eliminated from playoff contention today, uh, as in Tuesday, the day we are recording this podcast, Uh, and that is the Philadelphia Phillies, a team that had the most exciting offseason hands down of any team over the offseason, getting guys like Bryce Harper, like JT Real Muto, Uh, up and down. They just made so many moves uh, bolstering their bullpen. And here we are with them entering the day at 79 and 76. That means they lost once. They're 79 and 77. Currently, uh, in Game 2 of a doubleheader with the Nats, in which they're winning 3-1 to one, uh, as of right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, Max Scherzer's on the mound, so we'll see if uh, he can limit them uh, from scoring and the team can put up some more runs against Aaron Nola uh, throughout the rest of the game. That certainly is still to be determined. But as things stand right now, it really doesn't matter for the Phillies' side of things because they are done. They're out, uh, and they actually are in jeopardy of not finishing with a winning record, which last year... Mind you, they went 80 and 82, which means that they still are on a string of consecutive seasons without finishing with a winning record. The last time, Blake, that they had a winning record in a full season, 2011. 102. Wow. It went 102 and 60, lost in the NLDS 3 to 2. They had a really good rotation that year, and since then they've just completely fallen off. Went into a full rebuild mode that took longer than expected. They, of course, saw last season when they had 80 wins as a stepping stone into this year when they would have a better offseason, get in a couple stars. They do that, and here we are talking about how underwhelming they've been. I think, Blake. You know, uh, the things about this team that fell apart is just it's underperforming uh, of the guys that they brought in. You know to really turn this organization around. I mean, we talked about uh, at the start of the season how uh, they just had to kind of go in on this core that they had—the young core guys like Reese Hoskins, Michael Franco, Scott Kingery. Uh, you know, guys who they saw as their as their core that they brought up through the farm system with all those top draft picks that they had over the years, uh, and, and said, "Okay, this is the core we're going to roll with. We now need to surround them with uh, some veterans on more expensive deals to solicit to the roster the core itself was flawed we knew that going into it uh, the team was obviously hoping for some of those players to step up but that just didn't happen michael franco really just an underwhelming player. Uh, you know, He got off to a hot start to his career early on. Hasn't been that guy. Scott Kingery has actually had a pretty nice season, but uh, has slumped as of late. Still only 25s, and, and he can play a lot of different positions, so he has plenty of value right now, uh, but a, a light-hitting uh, infielder slash outfielder uh, who doesn't draw a ton of walks. Strikeouts, strikes out a lot, so there's there's just a lot to you know be wary about there. And then Reese Hoskins, uh, perhaps one of the most disappointing players in baseball, despite the fact that he's going to hit for 30 home runs this season. He has an OPS plus of 114 entering the day, so certainly an above-average player. But a lot of people, you know, he was moving over to first base at the start of the year, had been playing out of position in the outfield Prior to this year, because of the presence of Carlos Santana, the thought was that once he settled into his position, he'd really be able to turn on the Jets offensively and take that step forward. We saw in his rookie year when he got off to that really hot start uh, in which he hit 18 homers in 50 games uh, to start his career, he just hasn't had that same kind of power uh since that point certainly the batting oh, yeah. average has come down uh the, the walk totals are good not great uh well actually this year he's leading the league in walks so i take that back um but he does have 166 strikeouts so uh certainly you know in that department has struggled he just hasn't been uh you know the guy necessarily that they thought he would be to complement Bryce Harper in the lineup and speaking of Harper has been certainly the best offensive player on that team, but no, by no means a superstar. Uh, was not an All Star this season. Uh, for only the second time, is in his career? Uh, you know, had decent numbers, but honestly, not even as good as they were last year. Uh, when a lot of people talked about how he disappointed in his walk year prior to, uh, you know, hitting free agency. So this JT Real Mito, another guy who came over, uh, you know, he was at Marlins park last year, just didn't perform. So offensively, you know, uh, there's just a lot of underwhelming pieces uh, top to bottom in this lineup. Nobody who stood out to be that full on star uh, for this Philadelphia team. And, you know, like I said, it was a flawed core to begin with. um, And and they thought, okay, as long as we bring in, you know, real talent around this, this core, we'll be able to absorb some of those losses. But that, that talent that they brought in certainly hasn't lived up to the billing either.
1: Yeah. You know, it's certainly so first off, like we both know, and everyone knows that that baseball isn't my forte. So when I necessarily try and take a look at these things, I look cross sports for comparisons to kind of figure out Mm -hmm. uh, the range that I put them in. And to me, What I've seen from the Phillies is that they are just one of those teams that maybe jumped the gun a little too quick um, in terms of of bringing in those veterans to complement the young core. The young core had its flaws, as you say, and my comparison that I think of just off the top of my head is this year's Cleveland Browns team. And of course, it's three games into the week, into the season. I know we've got a long year where the Browns can certainly turn things around, but they thought that they had hit it last year with that core of, of Nick Chubb and... And Baker Mayfield and, and the corner they drafted as well, Dan, Denzel Ward. Uh, the, the the Browns get Miles Garrett. Well, Miles Garrett the year before that as well too. So so the Browns had this young core, and it, within two years, I guess they they were like, okay, this is it. This is where we make the big jump. Let's bring in everybody. They trade away their first round pick for Odell Beckham Jr. They trade uh, away their starting offensive lineman for another piece on the defensive side. They bring in all these pieces, and it might have just been a year too soon because. You know, we take a look at, at, at their rookies that they had last year and how well they performed. Baker still, from the time that he was in the league uh, and up through this point, leading the league in interceptions since his first start. So that's a big number to look at. So there's a flaw. You take a look at Nick Chubb. I, I wasn't high on him coming out of the draft. He's looked, you know, not so great this year so far. Of course, he can certainly turn things around. The offensive line is also huge uh, for them as well. But to me, the Phillies kind of seem in that way as well, where they had the young core that was definitely on the come-up, had some players performing well, like you were saying, but maybe jumped the gun a little too quick on bringing in and overpaying for you know these free agents that they brought in, the trading assets that they brought in, and it kind of seemed to be now that they're kind of in this rut where, okay, we just spent a ton of money this last offseason, and we're just right around the same team that we were. Um, how do we kind of fix this moving forward to where... It doesn't seem like all these guys are being extremely overpaid, and we didn't rush things necessarily. So, definitely not the season that they wanted from the Phillies. It's also tough being in a division with very talented teams like the Braves, the Nats, the Mets, who got hot. Um, you know, no one gives a damn about the Marlins right now. But, um, you know, to be in that division with a lot of competitive teams doesn't help. But it does seem like maybe they were a little uh, too quick in, in, in making those splash free agent signings and, and offseason moves.
0: You know, here's my thing uh, with this team is uh, I stand by what I said at the start of the year. And, you know, at some point you got to pull the trigger. Uh, and yes, I I get what you're saying. And I, I'm actually, I'm on the same page with the Browns here. Uh, you know, even if the core that you've built up through tanking, I mean, tanking is not a perfect science. You know, there are going to be things that, that don't work out according to plan, but you can only put your fan base through so much misery for so long. Hmm. And, 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 you know, the, The Phillies front office uh, and owner John Middleton looked at this team and said, look, we've got a couple of guys who – you know, in the right situation, they might pan out, you know, and that's, that was only talking about the, the offense. I mean, you know, you look at the pitching staff and guys like Nick Paveda who, who, you know, was pretty good in spurts last season, yeah, you Jared know, Jerry Aikoff, Zach Eflin, Vince Velasquez, all guys who, uh, yeah. you know, showed plenty of flashes of potential as guys who could develop into quality major league arms, just none of them panned out. And, you know, when you're at the start of the year and you say, okay, we've, we've gone through a, a rebuild now for seven years, eight years, it's time to to just pull the trigger I respect that, and at the end of the day, sure, it didn't work out, and the Phillies are going to be outside the playoffs, and it's it's a certainly a big hit for that fan base, uh, which was so excited about the team at the start of the year. The season ticket uh, prices have never been higher. Uh, you know, all the all the people who got so excited about Harper coming to Philly, it was the highest selling jersey all season. Uh, you know that that's something that you know at the end of the day that this team did. You know they were able to right. that front office was able to generate that excitement, uh, and even if it. Was short-lived for the fans. Uh, you know, they got off to a hot start. They were they were the the best team in the division for the first month or so of the season. Uh, just things kind of fell off after that. Where the Braves went on their run, and the Nats, of course, uh, went on an absolute tear for three and a half months uh, before you know the, they started stumbling here in September. Um, you know, overall, the, the Phillies just couldn't keep up in what is one of the more uh, tough divisions in the, all of the majors. I mean, you, you looked at right, uh, you know, two days ago. Uh, it was the only division of baseball that still had four teams that weren't eliminated from the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, that still had a chance of making the postseason. Obviously, that's no longer true uh, with the Phillies being eliminated here today. But, you know, uh, I, I respect the front office for for deciding, hey, we're, we're going to go for it here. They, they just made some bad bets, uh, you know, and, and not necessarily at the time. You know, you looked at, at Harper and you said, OK, you know he's going to be in his age 26 season sure he didn't pan out as well last year but uh, we're confident we can turn him around JT Real Muto coming over from Marlins Park when considered one of the hardest places to hit for all hitters in baseball you saw what happened to Christian Yelich after he left and you thought okay maybe we can unlock the same kind of potential with Real Muto that doesn't work out you sign Andrew McCutcheon to a three-year 50 million dollar deal he gets hurt uh, six games into the year and has to miss the rest of the season that obviously hurts Gene Segura, uh, who, you, who you traded for, uh, in what was a pretty savvy move at the time, has taken a bit of a step back offensively. He used to be a hit machine; uh, hasn't necessarily been that this year. So, and, and like I said with Hoskins, you know, just not really stepping up in the way that you thought he would. That was a, a lot of moves uh, that you thought, okay, you know, we're, we're doing this; we're going to have a much different look uh, than we did last year, and we won eighty games, so we should step forward, right? That's that's the expectation. That's obviously not going to happen this year. They might finish with the, uh, the same record or somewhere uh, close. Obviously, Philly fans hoping they can get over that 500 threshold, just so they can say that they had a winning record for the first time since 2011. Uh, that's, that's a pretty infamous streak that they've got going on right now. But you know, the, there's a lot of question marks about this team moving forward. Is Gabe Kapler going to be the manager? Uh, mm-hmm. Jay Garrietta, uh and where he's at in his career. Uh, where where does his pitching staff go from here? Aaron Nola has still been good this year, but certainly not the the ace that we saw out of him. Uh, you know, when he finished top three in M- NL Cy Young voting in 20. 2018 so there's a lot of question marks now about this team moving forward you don't have as much money uh, as you did last season to solve some of these issues, uh, you obviously know more about where you are, uh, where you stand as an organization, so that gives you the advantage there. But you know, I, I can't even begin to to talk about what kind of moves that this team needs to make this off season. They're yeah. still talking about making you know some kind of huge deal, whether or not they'd be in the running for uh, a guy like Garrett Cole or something like that. I don't know if they can afford that right now. Uh, you know, this is a team that probably isn't too afraid of exceeding the luxury tax threshold, but you get into lengthy deals uh with with guys like harper and cole and and they're bad toward the back end you're really just you know plunging yourself into farther depths of disparity uh if they don't pan out so there there's just a lot of question marks about this team moving forward but i have to say i don't blame anyone in that front office for the moves that they made uh prior to this season
1: yeah i i guess the the big thing is is when when you do something like that and you have an off season like that and it pays off it pays off extremely well. Uh, you know, you take a look at the Rams, and when they, they brought in Dante Fowler, uh, they added in, uh, you know, Marcus Peters. They brought in all those guys, and it paid Ndamukong off. King Sue, and they went to the Super Bowl. So when it pays off and it hits, it looks really good. But when it doesn't pay off, it looks really bad. And so uh, it's only one year in, and they were, you know, they still have a chance to be a winning team. Uh, you you know, is to pose a winning record and still improve on a a season where they were just below 500. So, you know, it's not all over, um, but like you were saying, you know, you get into a situation where you're, you know, you're going to have to make some very nitpicky moves in order to free up uh, cap space uh, to make sure that you've got all of your, you know, different assets of the team covered. Um, It's one, it's a risky move for a franchise to make, uh, you just got to hope that it really hits because then if it doesn't, you're running into, like you were saying, people losing their jobs, people losing out on their money and, and you know, future of the franchise could be altering because if you build up and, and you just consistently do that without making the giant splashes, um, there's still hope. But when you do all of those and then it goes wrong, you've sacrificed a ton of your future, like you're saying, the back end of those deals when the, when the Phillies are down there and those guys are at the end of their careers and they're still being paid big bucks, it's going to be tough for the franchise to really mold around that. So, um, hopefully, you know, it, it does improve for them. It's not the ideal first start. Uh, we also have to take into credit, like we've both said already, how tough the division actually is, and, and hope that next year is just a better year for them because if, if they have another season like this next year, then the problems are. are way more serious than they are this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're still, you know, going to be contenders uh, in the sense that they're going to have an active offseason. They're going to be trying to win heading into next year. So the, the NL East will still likely have four teams doing that. Uh, the Mets, obviously, with the run that they've had, uh, see themselves as on the cusp. We'll get Yoan Cespedes back next year. Maybe they think that that could be a difference maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, picked him up in our Dynasty Fantasy League. Uh, just uh, threw nice. him on my I.L. before the end of the season. So in case he's ready for the start of the year, I'll have him as an option. I, uh,
1: I did that with Chavis with the Red hey.
0: Oh, Oh, I like that pick. I should yeah. even notice him on there.
1: I've had him for, a, huh. I've had him for a while. He's been on. Oh, the, you've had him for a while. Was, okay, this okay. was, this is he was on the IL, like in, I want to say the beginning of August. So I scooped him up then, but, but yeah.
0: Oh, no. A- after I was eliminated from the playoffs the next <laughs> yeah. day, I sat down oh. and just dropped players who were, I was just trying to like stream them and right. uh, win and, and picked up injured guys who I thought, okay, maybe next year I'll get them back. So I got like Johnny Cueto who actually <laughs> returned since nice. then. I Brandon Morrow and uh, a couple other guys. So uh, we'll see what happens. All right. That's going to do it for our episode today. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Matt Wyrick FBB. Blake is over at, at BlakeAndrewPace. You can find my work over at Fellow Baseball. Blake's over at Stampede Blue and the SB Nation Syracuse blog. Um, Blake, any final words for the good people?
1: Yeah, no. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm excited, uh, you know, to to keep this ball rolling. I know we didn't even address the fact that we had missed an episode last Thursday, but uh, oh, I know. But we'll, but we we'll be, but we'll be back this Friday, <laughs> of course, with our yes. with our picks for the week and some other. I went uh, to New York and got to well. watch
0: Blake's team uh, beat uh, who they beat, the Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah. John oh, you, so Stanton. you got to
1: watch the Blue Jays though. How was that? Seeing some young studs out there in the oh, making it was fun. for Toronto. Uh,
0: Bachet didn't start unfortunately, and I, I wanted to see him, but. Um, We saw uh, of Gurriel Jr., uh, another young stud on that team, make a a nice nifty play over at shortstop. Uh, I also saw, um, oh gosh, uh, Gio Urshela uh, make a a, a nice play over at third two. We were right along the third baseline uh, a couple rows back from the dugout. Uh, So we had great view. I saw, um, oh God, why am I forgetting all these names? Brett Gardner, he got plunked in the back, and you could just hear it smack his back. I'd never I, I've been that close I've been behind a home plate a few times but not close enough to the um, dugout to hear like chatter down there so it was pretty cool uh, Yankee Stadium is very nice I've been there a couple times now so um, mm-hmm. you know uh, I definitely always like going there I will say I, I like City field better I'm sorry Ooh. I think it's just uh, it, I like the nostalgia yeah. factor that in, in like the, the you're you're coming to watch greatness is is this the sentence the, the sense you get uh, at Yankee Stadium which don't get me wrong; it's not a bad vibe uh, by any chance. But um, when you're at City, City Field, is just, it's just—it's so, so—it's a modern park. It's got some great amenities. Um, you know, it, you just—it's a more fun feel. You feel like you're you're out at a baseball game more than you are at a fancy dinner. Uh, so the, I, I don't know. I feel like I vibe more with that. Um, but not to say I don't like Yankee stadium. It is very nice. Um, very, very much enjoyed my time there. Uh, had a lot of Mm -hmm. fun in New York in general. Uh, I love the city. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was, that was why I did not record because I was, um, what was that? We would have recorded Thursday. Yeah. I was taking a bus uh all morning and then uh went straight downtown so yeah didn't really have an opportunity so sorry about that oh, no. Blake yeah you, know. you gotta live it up and I get it and hey like Lesiners.
1: like you were saying with that <laughs> Yankee Stadium I don't blame you the old stadium I loved and I've, I've been able to see that a few times but uh the new Yankee Stadium is just so materialistic and and boring um I, I agree with you but uh but yeah it's certainly it's fancy I watch. mean
0: don't get me wrong like I felt like I was underdressed, I mean, at, at the stadium. that's <laughs> that, that was just so the only funny. thing. It was just like, holy crap, like, there are so many. You, you just you can watch the game from, like, gourmet restaurants that are inside glass right, right. behind the the walkways. I mean, it's kind of wild. Um, so I, I'm, I'm so used to Nats Park, which is admittedly very boring, um, but it, it, it is a baseball stadium, pure uh, and simple. Yeah. You know, it's, it's got a normal... Uh, nothing super unique about it, but it definitely feels like a baseball stadium where it's Yankee Stadium. It kind of didn't.
1: It feels like an amusement park. It feels like you're just being sold on everything that's there instead of just enjoying the game.
0: A little bit, yeah. But it was fun. All right, well, that's going to do it uh, for our episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Blake, thanks for sitting down with me. Had a good time. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you all again. Have a good one.